0: Good morning, everybody. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 1. If you want to turn with me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Good morning, everyone. I'm on. Good. Uh, it's really good to be here this morning. Uh, please, if you have a Bible with you, do keep it open at Psalm chapter 1. Do you say Psalm chapter 1 or do you say Psalm 1? Uh, Psalm 1. Keep it open there. My name is Andrew. Uh, I'm one of the pastors in Village, but I lead the team in Village South. So many of you I know, and it's really good to see you again. Uh, many of you I don't know, which is great. If you're a visitor, you're especially welcome. Um, and I hope that I do get to know you over the course of time. Um, I'm going to ask you all to do something for me uh, as we get started. I've got some weird, I don't know, chest pain. That sounds bad. Nobody call an ambulance. Uh, back pain, trapped nerve situation going on, and it's hard to move, and I talk a lot with my hands. So I feel like that's the kind of thing that the devil likes to use, to just take away from the preaching of God's Word. Um, so just can you pray for me um, as, I, as I begin and go along, um, and we'll trust that the Lord is with us. Um, I'm sure that you are all familiar with the hashtag on social media, hashtag blessed, right? Who's seen hashtag blessed? Hashtag blessed, right? Um, if you're on social media at all, you've seen this. It's usually uh, 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 somebody uh, posing uh, with a nice, uh, on a nice beach somewhere with a nice sunset, hashtag blessed, or, or maybe it's a plate of delicious food, hashtag blessed, or maybe it's like a group of really cool... Uh, always good-looking people, friends, hashtag blessed. Uh, one of the things that hashtag blessed is, is used, more, uh, used for now more and more is, is about health and, and well-being, this kind of healthy lifestyle. I'm so hashtag blessed to have this green, disgusting smoothie. Um, that's not for me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when I checked, just on Instagram alone, there were 143,759,450 hashtag blessed posts that is a heck of a lot of blessing, right? Um, but what do people really mean when they say blessed? I'm going to stop doing this. This is weird. I'm too old to be doing stuff like that. I am. Uh, I, was at, uh, I, was at, I was at a physio appointment uh, last week, and for the first time in my life, a medical professional just said to me, it's just your age. So I'm at that stage of life now. So uh, first time ever, a couple of years off 40. So what do people really mean when they say they're blessed? They usually mean I'm so blessed to be with friends who love me, I'm so blessed to have this home, I'm so blessed to, that, my, that it's the summer holidays and I have this nice latte or I'm on the beach or whatever it is. Usually it means I'm so lucky that I have things as good as I have them, right? I'm so blessed by how good I've got it and I want everyone else to know about it. But is this really what being blessed means? Is being blessed really just having things going well for you in your life in terms of finances, health, or relationships? What if there is more to being blessed than this? You see, the question that we have to ask, and I think that this Psalm Psalm 1 answers for us is, what does it mean to be blessed? This is really what Psalm 1 is talking about. You see, the, the Bible talks about blessing. The Bible talks about being blessed in, in a completely different framework than the world does, right? Um, I'm sure that uh, if you've been to church at all, you might have heard of something called the Beatitudes. Let me explain what that is. This is in, in the beginning of, of Jesus' ministry. He, begins to, he does this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's one of the most famous pieces of teaching uh, ever. And he starts with these things called the Beatitudes. It's a list of, of blessings, The word beatitude just means blessed, blessing. And here's some of the things that Jesus describes as being blessed. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He goes on to say, maybe one of the hardest ones to swallow, blessed are those those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil about you. Now, if someone is posting on social media about how they are mourning, how they've been insulted, how they're persecuted, would they really use the hashtag blessed? The things that, that Jesus gives us as blessing don't really seem like blessing, do they? You see, the picture Of being blessed that we are given in the Bible is far, far deeper than just having your life go in the way you want it to or think it should. In the Bible, God tells us that being blessed is is not about having a life with no trouble. It's not about having a life free from suffering, although we all wish it was, right? It's not about prospering financially and having good health. And by the way, if you are prospering financially and you do enjoy good health and you do have good relationships, then you should thank God for those things because they are blessings. But the Bible tells us that there is a blessing that is far, far deeper than just the nice things that this life can give us. You see, being blessed, according to to all the teaching of of God's Word, being blessed is is human flourishing. It's the type of human existence that we were both designed and created by God for. Ultimately, being blessed is the pleasure and joy that comes from being right with God. There is a deep, deep joy and satisfaction that comes with being in right standing with God, and it's so deep And it's eternally lasting so that our life circumstances can't change it, right? When we are in God's favor, when we know that we're saved, when we have an eternal inheritance, there is nothing good in life that can add on to that, and there's nothing bad in life that can take away from that. And this is the very thing that Psalm 1 is talking about. This psalm sounds exactly like Jesus teaching in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. In fact, this psalm starts with a beatitude. Blessed is the one. Blessed is the man, it says in our version. And what we're going to see, I'm going to give you the conclusion up front, okay? I'm going to give you the spoiler right at the start. What we're going to see is that Jesus is the only way to be blessed. Jesus is the only way to a blessed life. I've given you the conclusion right at the start because this is what I want us to remember and take away this morning. This psalm, Psalm 1, is the introduction to the whole book of the Psalms. Um, I know that we've already done a few different psalms, so here we are, but we've gone right back to the beginning. And in this introduction to the whole book of the Psalms, the writer is, is, is dealing with blessing, human flourishing. He's saying, here's what we're talking about, but it also comes with a warning. It starts with a blessing, and it ends with a warning. It starts with, here's blessing, but here's also judgment. And you see, what this psalm does for us is tell us of two ways in life, right? A way that leads to being blessed. Blessed is the one who is this, this, and this. And another way that leads to destruction, Right at the beginning of this holy, ancient prayer songbook, we are faced with a choice that we all have to make. One path leads to blessing, and the other path leads to destruction, and so we need to be aware that there is blessing available, ultimate joy and deep satisfaction that can't be moved when the storms of life come, but to reject that means that we are not only rejecting this deep joy, flourishing, and satisfaction offered to us in Christ but we are actually embracing a path that leads to destruction. And we all need to choose. And if we pray this psalm, you see, the psalms are actually given to us so we can pray them and sing them, right? A lot of the songs that we sing in church are, are based on the words of the psalms. Jesus prayed them and sang them. And if we pray this psalm, we are actually declaring that yes, we believe there is blessing to be had, and that the only person who will be blessed, have that deep satisfaction and flourishing and joy, is the kind of person described in Psalm 1. So, in some ways, to join in with even the few words of Psalm, of Psalm 1 is a statement of faith. As soon as I pray this, blessed is the man, I am saying I agree with this. I agree with everything that it says. So, do we truly believe that the only way to a blessed life is the way that is described for us in the verses that follow? I have to be honest, I find this challenging. Because I think that uh, probably like me, we all, you all, have the temptation, um, and we all find ourselves from time to time living the half and half life, right? Not, not, not half chips, half rice, even though it is delicious. We half and half curry sauce. Not that kind of half and half life. The half in, half out. On one hand, we we confidently say, right, yes, I I, I do believe that what the Bible says is true, right? Yes, I I do believe that the only true satisfaction and fulfillment and flourishing is is what the Bible teaches. And I am 100% on board with that. But then on the other hand, we struggle with our own circumstances, don't we? We look at hashtag blessed on Instagram and we're convinced that because we don't own our own home that we're not blessed or that because we aren't in a committed romantic relationship that we're somehow unfulfilled or because life isn't going exactly how we thought it would or we think it should and that things are maybe a bit difficult or not exactly to our liking, we somehow think then that we are not blessed and our heads tell us something different from our hearts. This is the half and half life, not the blessed life. This is the life on one hand that says, yes, Lord, I do trust you, but also can you give me some of that good material stuff? Yes, Lord, of course I trust you for my salvation. I trust you for my eternal future, but I'd also like you to top that up with a wee bit of job satisfaction. Maybe this resonates with you, because I know it resonates with me. Now, now, when this psalm is describing the path to being blessed, what what it actually does, it starts with uh, talking about what blessing is not, before it goes on to talk about what blessing is. Look at verse one with me again. I'll have it on the screen, but do keep your Bible open if you have it. It starts with, "Blessed is the man." Now, this isn't just talking about a man. This isn't talk for the guys in the room. Women, you're not off the hook. This is just a, a Hebrew word that is literally translated as blessed is a man, but, but actually it can be used for a singular person, okay? So a good translation to say blessed is the one. That's why I said that earlier. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So in this verse, we're, we're given three statements about what the blessed person is not, and each one builds on the previous one. We go from walking to standing to sitting. So, firstly, the blessed one is the one who doesn't walk and step with the wicked. Now, maybe when you hear the word the wicked or, or that phrase the wicked, you might think of, of really bad people. So, you think of people who are murderers, people who are uh, human traffickers, uh, people who are maybe even tyrannical dictators who invade nations and oppress people—maybe that's what you think of, of when you hear the word or the phrase "the wicked." But the Bible has a specific meaning for this term, especially in wisdom literature and the Psalms. The Bible, what these people called the wicked in the Bible, um, what this actually means is, is men and women for whom the direction of their lives, their lives is against God. So anyone who is not walking in step with God. The Bible in this way calls them the wicked. They walk in rebellion to God. Now, before you start saying, well, that seems kind of harsh, we see this idea talking about us in Ephesians chapter 2, when Paul is describing, the Apostle Paul is describing our lives as Christians before God saved us by his grace. Listen to what he says. He says, And you were dead. This is all of us who are Christians. He says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So, you see this idea of of walking, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. He's talking about Satan there. Paul is pretty black and white. He's just like, well, you're not following God. You're obviously following Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, pretty harsh again, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and whereby nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So, the wicked is anyone who is not walking in the way of God. They're they're, they're walking in the path of the world. They're actually walking in rebellion to God. Anyone who is outside of Jesus, this psalm calls the wicked. And the thing is that even though if you're a Christian this morning, we've been saved and we are new creations in Jesus, we, we, we still live among those who are walking against God, don't we? And even more so, as we battle with our own flesh, we're all tempted to just walk in step with people who are walking against God. I feel that all the time. I'm sure you all feel that temptation. Well, you see, as, as much as our kind of culture I was going to say generation, but as I've mentioned earlier, I'm probably a lot older than a lot of you guys here. Uh, not all. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. Um, <laughs> but as much as this culture around us tells us to, that we, we need to be individual and be ourselves, actually, what we all want is to fit in, right? We just, want to, we just want to blend in. We just want to hide. We want to be individualistic as long as no one notices us. We instinctively want to say the same things as the wicked. We want to laugh at the same jokes. We want to share the same values and make the same life decisions. And whatever our stage in life, we will feel a temptation to walk in step with the world. It's not easy to march out of step. It's not easy to be the only one in your office who holds a biblical opinion on sex and gender. It's not easy to go against the crowd and stand up for the value of unborn children. And yet, the the blessed life, the way of true satisfaction and fulfillment, comes to the one who doesn't march to the beat of the world's drum. Secondly, the blessed one is the one who, who doesn't stand in the way that sinners take. Now, the word stand here makes us think that this is a more kind of settled position than walking walking is following a path, maybe even just following a crowd. But standing means that you've considered this, you've stopped. We use this in common language, don't we? You say like, oh, where do you stand on that? Or, oh, He's really taking a stand for that thing. Standing is more than going along with the flow. Standing is taking a determined, settled position. And, and this is talking about people who take a firm stance that is against God and His ways. So, the blessed ones are the ones who who don't take a stand in the way of sinners. And the problem for us is that we are, by nature, weak to stand on our own, aren't we? We often find that our worldview is shaped by osmosis, right? We just absorb it. Um, we, We take on board principles and values, and we hold them really tightly. But maybe we haven't even considered how we came to have them, or even if they're right or wrong. I think that for a lot of Christians in our context, our values, even our theology, that the things that we stand firm on have been absorbed rather than considered and tested and prayed over. They're just part of the environment, so we never really question them. You might have heard of this analogy, like the two fish in the sea, and one says to the other, oh, the water's nice today, and the other one says, what's water? It's just around him. He doesn't even notice it's there. A lot of us, that's what it's like for the values we take, the stances we take on things. And the other thing about being sinful human beings is that it's easy to be flexible with our stance, isn't it? We can value different things with different people, I can be this person with that group. I can be that person with that group. We want to fit in, and so we change our values to match the stance of those around us. And yet, Psalm 1 tells us that the way to true blessing is to deliberately and intentionally not stand with the world. Thirdly, the blessed one is the one who doesn't sit in the company of scoffers. Now, if standing is more settled than walking, then sitting is even more settled than standing. But it's also more aggressive. You see, sitting is more settled than standing. That's quite hard. Don't say Try Try say that, you know, fast in a row. Sitting more settled than standing. Because you haven't just walked and then stopped and stood. You've actually now sat down and set up camp. You have no intention of moving from this position. In the ancient world, actually, to sit down was to take the posture of authority and judgment. I suppose even in our modern courts, a judge comes in and, and, and she'll sit down before she passes judgment. But sitting down was the posture of authority of teaching. I talked about the Sermon on the Mount before. What do we see? Jesus goes up the mountain. He sits down and begins to teach. Why? Because when He sat down and began to teach, He said, I have authority, and what I need to say, you all need to pay attention to. So, so these people who sit in Psalm 1 do not only take their own position and decisions against God, they also claim authority in the position that they have. They aren't just against God, they're teaching others to be against God too, and they claim to have authority in this. And notice the word that's used here, they are scoffers. This means that they jeer and make fun of people who are walking in God's way. And we see this all the time in our lives, don't we? People who just don't claim, uh, don't just claim to have authority on moral or social issues, but, but people who actually mock anyone who's walking in God's ways. How can you believe that? Are you insane? What a load of rubbish. Why are you still believing this? You are such an idiot. I'm sure maybe even some of you experience this kind of things, not just in the general sense, but maybe even personally as well. I do, want, I do want to be clear, and I've literally no idea how long I've been talking for, but we'll just keep going. Um, I do want to be clear that when, when the psalm says not to sit in the seat of scoffers, right, what, what, it's not saying don't have non Christian friends. Don't go in and sit down and have food and, and, and whatever and fellowship with non Christian friends. Actually, what Jesus is, or what the, the psalm is saying is that, that we should do those things, right? Um, Jesus calls us to do that. This psalm is saying, don't take the same position as those people. Because the way of blessing comes by being the one who does not do those things. To be blessed is to not walk, not stand, not sit in the way of the world. The path to blessing, to satisfaction, the true human flourishing and eternal fulfillment is by being separate from the world. Now, What this actually means for us is that it's going to be hard, isn't it? There's going to be a cost to this. Pursuing true blessing, the true blessing that God offers, means that we will pursue the things He calls us to over the hashtag blessed thing. Oh, I said I wasn't going to do it again. We're actually going to pursue, we're going to go out of our way to pursue the things that that God values rather than the hashtag blessed stuff. We're going to be scoffed and mocked for the path we walk and the stances we take. We're going to choose to pursue reaching people with the gospel over doing well in our careers. We're going to spend real time and money serving those in need rather than prioritizing a nice holiday. We're going to deliberately choose where to live so that we can be better part of the church family, we're going to sacrifice our time and efforts to really and truly commit to each other in missional community. And my point is, there is a cost to walk in this path, but. We live this way confidently, knowing that this is, the Bible tells us, the path to true blessing. And as we'll see in verse 3, this blessing lasts. It doesn't blow away. It doesn't get blown away when God comes in judgment. It's eternal, and it's, far, it's worth far more than anything hashtag blessed can offer us. So, that's what, hashtag, that's what being blessed is not. So, what is the way of blessing? Look at verse 2. But his delight, that's the blessed one. The blessed one's delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. You see, being blessed, the blessed one is not just about uh, not walking or, or standing or sitting in the way of sinners, in the way of the world, that the one who is blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. The one who is truly satisfied and and full of deep joy and satisfaction is not the one who has good holidays, lots of money, or, or good health, but the one who in the deepest depths of their hearts loves God and therefore loves His Word. This is the Bible's way of saying that the blessed person delights in the way God tells us how to live. Right? This is what this this kind of the law that mentioned here is kind of like a catch-all. It's referring to the first five books of, of the Bible, definitely, but it's also a catch-all term for God's instruction. Okay? So the blessed person delights in the way that God tells us how to live. So they confidently walk in the way of God. And you see how different this is from the first part? The non-blessed person is the one who, who walks in the counsel of the wicked, but the blessed person delights in the counsel of God. And because they delight in it, they meditate on it. Now, this isn't necessarily meditation in the way that we think of meditation. For one thing, most meditation involves clearing your mind. But, but biblical meditation, godly meditation, isn't clearing your mind. It's filling your mind with God's Word. When we meditate as Christians, our, our, our goal isn't to clear our minds. Our goal is to, to focus on God's Word it's not letting your thoughts wander, it's focusing your thoughts on God's Word. But meditation here is more than just internalizing, right? This word in the original language conveys the idea of, of speaking God's teaching. Actually, it has this really lovely uh, kind of literal meaning, which, which is kind of like the, it means like the sound of a babbling brook. Brooke. It has the idea of people together all praying Scripture at the same time. That murmur that you hear when lots of people in a room are praying. Isn't that a lovely idea? There's this idea that meditation is not just internalization. Internalization, is that a word? Yeah, that's fine. Internalizing. It's also, it's also speaking out. It's like when you tip over a glass of water, what comes out? The water, because that's what was in the glass to begin with. So, 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 if we put this delighting idea and the meditation of God's Word together, we can say something like this, blessing comes from loving God and walking in His way, and this person both believes and speaks what God says. Let me say that again. Blessing comes from loving God and walking in His way, and this person both believes and speaks what God says. Now, this makes me wonder, Why is it that we don't always feel blessed? Why is it that we don't always have this deep joy and satisfaction? I wonder, could it be that if we find ourselves dissatisfied, incontent, unfulfilled, lacking joy, could it be that it's because we aren't delighting in God's Word? Because here's what happens and this isn't theory, this is confession, okay? Here's what happens with me, and I hope that you find, you find this helpful. When we get our definition of blessed from the world, whether it's values, the things the world values, or even the hashtag blessed relationship, health, um, money, all that kind of stuff, if that's where, where our idea of, of being blessed comes from, and we don't have those things, then of course we're gonna be unfulfilled, Right? This is why everybody in the world, even the people that have all those things, don't feel fulfilled. Because these things can't truly satisfy. But when we turn our focus to Jesus, when we take on His Word, when we believe it, when we internalize it, and when we speak it out and trust His promises, then we find that in Him we are truly blessed. So, in those times when we're struggling with a lack of joy and satisfaction, we turn to God's Word and delight in it, we trust His promises. We don't listen to what the world says about us. We listen to what God says about us. Listen, I guarantee you, most of the time that I feel uh, unfulfilled and dissatisfied is because I'm listening to what the world says about me, not who God says who I am. The world says, You don't have money. You don't have a relationship. You don't have health. You're not blessed. You know what God says to you if you're a Christian this morning? He says, you are in Jesus, so you have everything. And that's the way of true and lasting blessing. And we get this idea developed in verse 3. He says, the blessed one is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not weather. In all that he does, he prospers. In a hot climate, like in the Middle East, the only trees that produce fruit Are the ones that have deep roots that go into a good water supply. And the way of blessing is to put our roots deep down into God, who is the source of life giving water. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 4 that He is the living water, He is the source of life. Now, what happens when you don't water a plant? It weathers up and dies. But but when you do water it, it's revived and it comes back to life. Uh, this week we just got back from kind of like two weeks away up the north coast, and here they planted all these plants, uh, tomatoes and peppers and all this kind of stuff, and um, they had all weathered. But even in a couple of days, with just a wee bit of tendon again, they've all come back to life. And when we delight in God's word, uh, not walking in the way of the world, and we receive the, His loving water, we we don't just we, we don't just Th- uh, we don't just survive we actually thrive you see when the trees planted beside the stream of water it doesn't matter how hot or extreme the climate around it is because it's not getting its source of life from the air around it it's getting its sor- source of life from the stream and it's the same for us even though we live in a harsh environment when we are mocked and persecuted and it seems like everything around us is the opposite to what we believe If our roots are deep in the life-giving water of Jesus, we won't just survive, we will thrive. We will bear fruit, verse 3 tells us. We won't weather, and we will prosper. Now, this word prosper doesn't mean that everything will go well for us in the way the world thinks of it. This isn't a prosperity gospel. This isn't that, well, if you trust God, you'll, you'll have no health issues and you'll be rich. Actually, the word prosper, if you do a Bible study in that, it has a much deeper meaning. That includes suffering, but it always leads to glory. Prospering for the Christian is eternal glory. So the way of blessing is to delight in God's Word, put our roots down deep in Him, and when we do, we survive our harsh environment and we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Somebody check if I got them all. This is the fruit that we are to bear. And when our roots are in that life-giving water, we will. And we will receive eternal glory with Jesus forever. Now, verse 4 kind of takes a turn because the blessed one who's delighted in God's law, walking in his ways, prospers, doesn't weather. It's just the opposite for those who don't walk in God's ways. The wicked won't prosper. You say they might have all the things the world can offer, but in the end, those things will be blown away like dust in the wind. This is the warning that comes in verses 4 to 5. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You see, those who stand against God now one day will not stand when judgment comes. Nobody likes talking about judgment, do we? Like, you see, know, it's one of those things that Christians kind of want to shy away from now. We don't want to talk about God's judgment, but God's judgment is real and His judgment is coming. Why? Because He is just and wrongs have to be made right, justice has to be done and God will see to it, and there is no one who can stand against God forever. I wonder if you're like me, and, and, and maybe you think, why does it seem like bad people always do well? I have to be honest, because when, when, I, when I read verses like this, like, like Psalm 1 verse 4, where it says, the wicked are not so, I read verses like this, and it seems impossible. In the face of it, it seems untrue. I don't know about you, but it seems like in the world that the people who aren't walking in the way of God are are the ones that prosper. The people who lie and cheat and steal are the ones who get to the top, aren't they? And more than that, the problem is that we all want to be counted among the the blessed, right? We want to be in this congregation of the righteous in verse 5. But we know that by nature, we know that deep down, we are actually the ones who are wicked through and through. We all know that in our hearts, we are the wicked ones. We know that left to our own devices, we, we, we walk in step with the world. We stand with the sinners, and we so desperately want to be affirmed by our friends that we even mock and scoff anyone who goes the other way. I reckon all of us find ourselves at least sometimes living the half-in, half-out life. I know you struggle with this, because I do too. I feel a temptation to pursue that hashtag blessed life. Just a couple of weeks up the north coast, like, just makes you desire living in a nice house by the sea, right? I know that if I walked away from ministry, I could probably have a nice career, more money, and a a nice house. I know the temptation in a conversation to Uh, just ignore something or just go along with the flow, or maybe just laugh at something and to not say what I actually believe. I betray Christ through my silence. Hashtag the struggle is real. There's another hashtag for you. So, what are we to do? What are we to do when it seems like the wicked are prospering, and actually we know that in our hearts we are the wicked ones? What are we to do? Well, listen, Maybe I should have started with this, but there's only one person who truly fulfills the description of Psalm 1, and He is the only person who truly deserves to receive this blessing. You see, when Jesus prayed and sang Psalm 1, blessed is the one who, He really believed it. And not only did He believe it, He lived it. He didn't try to find joy and fulfillment and satisfaction in any other way. You see, Jesus was pressured to walk in the way of sinners, wasn't He? He was tempted to stand in the way of sinners all the time, but He didn't. And He was mocked and scoffed for sitting in the way of God. He was persecuted and scorned more more than anyone else ever has been. And as a human being, you better believe that He felt the pain of humiliation and rejection. And yet, what did He do? He fulfills. Verse 2, He delighted in the instruction of God. He not just just internalized it, but He spoke it out. He walked in the way of God. You see, Jesus is the fruitful one described in Psalm 1. He is the one with roots deep down into the stream. And like verse 6 says, God the Father watched over His ways. We see this when Jesus was baptized. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus comes out of the water and a voice comes from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God might as well have shouted from heaven, Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed is the one. You see, we need to grasp that, this, this, that, that Jesus is the one that this psalm is talking about. We need to grasp that, that this psalm is fulfilled by Jesus because if we don't, if we don't realize that, that, that this psalm is fulfilled by Jesus, you know what happens? We just read it and we try to do better. We'll try harder to be good. We'll, we'll do our best to live a good life. We'll exhaust ourselves trying to be a good Christian and live up to the values of God. And when we do this, we just fail, don't we? Maybe you know what it's like to be in a cycle of trying hard and failing, then, then trying even harder and failing again, and then trying even harder still and failing again. And that cycle just leads to hopelessness, trying hard and failing. Maybe you feel hopeless in your walk with God this morning. But when we see Jesus as the blessed one of Psalm 1, we have hope. Listen to this. If you're a Christian this morning, I need you to hear this, especially if you're a struggling Christian this morning. Hands up, that's me as well listen to this, the blessing of God rests on Jesus, and because we are in Jesus, the blessing of God rests on us. I will say that again. The blessing of God rests on Jesus, and because we are in Jesus, the blessing of God rests on us. He is the blessed one who walks in righteousness, and when we put our faith and trust in Him, His righteousness is imputed to us. That just means that by His grace, when we trust in Jesus, His righteousness is put onto us, right? When we trust in Jesus, God, God drapes His righteousness around our shoulders like a cloak. You know, like in Harry Potter, he has that invisibility cloak covers up whatever else is underneath. So, so when when God looks at us when we're in Jesus, He doesn't see our sin and our failure. Man, I need to hear this. He, He sees the righteousness of Jesus. It's almost too good to believe, isn't it? And so, the blessing that belongs to Jesus is ours too. This is why Jesus is the only way to a blessed life. So, we don't have to keep trying and failing trying and feeling, and wearing ourselves out, uh, trying, uh, driving ourselves deeper into desperation. We can simply rest in Jesus, knowing that in Him, all the blessings of God belong to us. So, if you are struggling with that half-in, half-out life this morning, just come to Jesus and let Him give you rest. And then, and only then, When we've realized that it's only because that Jesus is blessed, that, that we are blessed, can we begin to produce the fruit of the blessed life. In Jesus, we can resist the temptation to walk in the way of the world, no matter how strong that temptation is. Not because we have the strength to do that, but because Jesus did it, and we are in Him. Our roots go deep into the stream because our roots are actually Jesus' roots. And so, here's the comfort this morning. If you are struggling with not being satisfied, if you're struggling with feeling unfulfilled or a lack of joy, if you're tempted to walk in the way of the world, if you are disillusioned by the things you see under hashtag blessed, remember this. To be in Jesus is the only way to be blessed. Now listen, that's a message for all of us as Christians, but if you're here and you're not a believer, that's an invitation for you Feeling unsatisfied, feeling unfulfilled, maybe not feeling very blessed. There's blessing to be had by simply trusting in Jesus. That He went through all of that scorning, even even death on a cross, so that, that God could rape His righteousness over you and you could be fulfilled and flourish and have joy and satisfaction and blessing forever. All you have to do is just put your trust in Jesus. And for those of us who are Christians, Let me invite us all to do that. Let's put our trust in Jesus again. Just even in the quietness of your own heart as I finish up here, just say, Jesus, I trust you again. I know that tomorrow I'm going to be tempted to to all the hashtag blessed stuff, to walk in the way of uh, the wicked, to stand in the way of sinners, to sit in the seat of scoffers. I know I'm going to be tempted by all those things, but I know that one day all those things are going to be blown away like dust in the wind. I just trust you again. And even though it's so hard, and I get that, and I feel it, when we are in Jesus, we can find perfect and deep and true and eternal blessing. Delight in His Word, remember His promises to you, and remember that Jesus is the blessed one of this psalm, and because you are in Him, you are too. Amen? Come Holy Spirit, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, we, um, we thank You that in Jesus, we have all the blessings of heaven. That seems almost too good for us to believe. We're trained to think that if something's too good to be true, it can't be true. But Lord, Your gospel is true. Father, I pray for us all this morning, for those of us who are Christians, I pray that we would put our trust in Jesus again, that, that You would, uh, because we are in You, uh, that, that we would l- learn not to stand in the way or walk or sit in the way of the world we would just faithfully and humbly submit to you and walk in your ways. Lord, for anyone who, who doesn't know you yet, Lord, it maybe feels that stirring in, inside them, don't really know what it is, Holy Spirit, convict. Um, Lord, uh, your arms are open, always waiting to welcome everyone in. Um, so Father, I just pray for anyone who needs to take that step this morning, they just simply put their trust in Jesus and find that they are eternally blessed. Help us, Lord, as we come to your table, as we celebrate and remember your death, Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would be glorified. Amen.